Section 7 of the Science, History of the Universe, Volume 8. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kurt from Tucson, Arizona. The Science History of the Universe, Volume 8, edited by Francis Rolt Wheeler. Pure Mathematics, Chapter 4, Algebra, Part 1. There is no hard and fast dividing line between algebra and arithmetic. Algebra was called by Sir Isaac Newton Universal Arithmetic, a generalization of those processes which have to do with number. It is a generalization in the application of the processes rather than in the processes themselves. The most important generalization is in the notion of number itself. In arithmetic, it was represented by a continuous line, indefinite in extent both to the right and left. A combined result of the three inverse processes, subtraction, division, and evolution, widens this number system to cover the entire plane. Algebra has been defined as the science of the equation, but the equation is also a valuable asset of arithmetic. When the savage first recognizes that two is made up of one and one, setting these ideas over against each other and balancing them, the equation has become a factor in his thought, although it has had no symbolic or verbal expression. The algebraic use of the equation differs essentially from the general use to which it is put in arithmetic. In the latter, it was arrived at after a process of thought and sums up that thought. That is, it becomes a formula in which are found only known terms. It is seen after an elaborate course of reason and experiment that the square described on the sum of two lines A and B is equivalent to two squares, one on A and another on B, and two rectangles or oblongs, formed by A for one side and B for the other. This is put in the shape of a formula. Left parentheses, A plus B right parentheses squared equals A squared plus 2AB plus B squared, where nothing is found in it except the known lines A and B. Thus, in arithmetic, the equation is the vehicle by which truth already discovered is expressed. On the other hand, in algebra, the equation is the tool by which the discovery is made. The unknown number, or the number to be found, is represented by some symbol or word, and from the statement of the problem a balance is set up which the operator manipulates until such unknown is determined. The equation is the most useful and powerful tool in the hands of the algebraist, and this particular distinction just made may be said to be the important one. The main purpose of algebra is to evolve a mechanism by which the equation may be so manipulated that it will reduce to a simple equation between the unknown number on the one hand and a known number on the other. 
If the average schoolboy were asked for his notion of algebra, his probable reply would be that it has something to do with X and Y. In paging over a recent textbook on the subject, the remark was made that the whole language seemed to be made up of X's and Y's. While the development of a comprehensive symbolism is one of the important features of the algebra of today, it was not always so. The modern symbolism in algebra did not reach its present perfection until the 18th century, and in the past ten years a new symbolism has sprung up in which words, which are ambiguous at best, are entirely replaced by symbols in the whole course of the reasoning. However, algebra today is characterized by a more general symbolism for number. The use of a single letter for the unknown number and of other letters for the known numbers involved greatly facilitates the operations with these numbers and enables the stating of a general law in a single step. In the formula cited above, A is a line, and it may be regarded as a number which is found by measuring the line by a unit. Two elements come in which make this a more general number than could be expressed in the Hindu notation. If the unit is changed, the number A is changed. In this way, A may be said to stand for any positive number whatsoever. Again, A and B may be any two lines at will, and the statement is still true. The principle of continuity, or of no exception, invoked in the widening of the number system gave new numbers which in general obey the laws of the old. Thus the above statement, which originated with A and B as lines, is equally true if A and B are negative numbers. Summing up this point, it may be said that in addition to representing numbers by the Hindu method, algebra represents numbers by means of letters. And while such numbers are regarded as known, yet it may be that no particular value is thought of in the discussion, and they may be given any value at will. Again, a number which is in a constant state of flux or change may be the subject of thought as the price of wheat on the exchange or the velocity of a railroad train. It would be exceedingly difficult to represent such a number with no more mechanism than arithmetic affords, but algebra allows of its representation by a letter. The last letters of the alphabet are usually allotted to these variable numbers, and the first letters to constants or numbers which do not vary. Another, and in some ways parallel, distinction is made in using the last letters for unknowns and the first letters for knowns. These are simply two phases of the same convention. This use of a letter for a general number is found in the works of Aristotle, where he says in one place, If capital A is the moving force, capital B that which is moved, capital G the distance, and capital D the time, etc. Still, a more general representation of number may be arrived at through the idea of functionality. A number is said to be a function of one or more other numbers if it depends for its value upon the value of the other number or numbers. Thus, the volume of a rectangular solid depends on the length of the base, the width of the base, and the altitude. 
In some cases, it is known exactly what the relation term functionality is, but in the great majority of cases, such functionality or dependence cannot be put in any more definite form. If A and B are respectively the length and width of the base and C the altitude and capital V the volume of the rectangular solid, functionality is expressed by capital V equals capital F left paren A comma B comma C right paren. This functionality may be more definitely expressed as capital V equals A times B times C. One says the state of the weather, capital S, depends upon temperature, capital T, humidity, capital H, direction and velocity of wind, capital D, and capital V. But no more definite form can be written than capital S equals capital F, left paren, capital T, comma, capital H, comma, capital D, comma, capital V, right paren. If x, comma, y are two variable quantities, with dependence of y upon x, this is put in the form y equals f left paren x right paren, or y equals f of x. The number system of arithmetic was developed from the simple process of counting and gave rise to an idea of number, the field of real numbers, which was associated with a line, a space notion. Real number may be thought as arising from sequence in time. 51 is thought of not as a collection of 51 units, but as an element in a series after 50 and before 52. In counting, one arrives at 51 after 50 and before 52. In this way, algebra may be conceived of as the science of time series, as opposed to geometry, the science of space, thus treating of the a priori elements of Kant, time and space. The two, algebra and geometry, have been closely interwoven in their historical development, especially in the beginnings of each. It has been seen how the Greeks built their theory of number upon its line representation, and it is a commonplace that if a relation can be pictured to the eye by means of a figure in space, the reasoning is greatly assisted. Such a view is sometimes misleading. If intuition alone had been trusted to determine whether or no all points had been used up by fractions, the answer would have been yes and the irrationals would have been omitted. Environment and racial conditions have been the determining factors in the growth of algebra and geometry. Egypt was an agricultural country. Land was of value in geometry as the science of measurement began there. The Arabians were a nomadic people. Land was only valuable at the time it was being grazed by the flocks and herds. The peculiarly clear atmosphere, resplendent with myriads of stars, nightly turned the Arab's attention to the celestial bodies as he tended the flock, and he was led to cultivate those branches of analysis and astronomy which he received as the product of the subtle, imaginative mind of the Hindu. Thus, geometry and algebra, each arising from the needs and characteristics of a race, 
peculiarly adapted to its cultivation, were developed side by side, each borrowing something from the other, but preserving its own distinctive qualities until the time of Descartes. 1637. When by his invention of the analytic geometry the two streams converge again, each becomes in full the interpretive agency of the other. Less than 50 years ago, it began to be more and more realized that while geometry always interpreted algebra correctly if it itself were correctly interpreted, yet the notions of geometry were only conventionally and approximately represented by a figure, and that intuition guided by the eye was not always to be trusted. So a new movement sprang up to completely arithmetize geometry. Its first and great apostle was Karl Weierstrass, the father of precision, born at Ostenfeld, October 13, 1815. The investigations of the foundations of mathematics of the past 10 or 15 years, carried on by a host of mathematicians in Italy, France, Germany, England, and the United States, has carried this work farther to base all geometry upon number. Thus, the continuity of the whole field of mathematics has been established and a complete symmetrical system has been built up or created beginning with a simple notion of putting one with one, growing like a great oak from the acorn until today it is impossible for one mind in a lifetime to embrace it in all its ramifications. A simple equation is one in which there is one unknown quantity and it is involved only in its first power or degree as x plus 7 equals 15. It is easily seen that the only value of x for which this equation can be true is 8 or x plus 7 equals 15 if x equals 8. A simple equation then may be looked upon as a single condition which is satisfied if a certain value is given to the unknown. The Egyptian treatise on mathematics by Amos gives, after his treatment of unit fractions, 11 problems, each resulting in a simple equation. The equation given is quoted by Kajori. Figure one row of Egyptian hieroglyphics, and one row of interpretations. Second row. Ha, heap, i.e., neb, fits two-thirds, x, left paren, two-thirds. Ma, fits one-half, plus one-half. Row, suffix, fits one-seventh plus one-seventh. High fits whole plus one. Zeeper fit gives equals. Msa suffix 37 gives 37. Another problem reads heap. It's two-thirds. It's one-half. It's one-seventh. It's whole, it gives 33, which put in modern form, omitting the sign of addition which was not used by Amos, one, two-thirds, one-half, 
1 7th x equals 33. The method of solution is to determine by what 1 2 thirds 1 half 1 seventh must be multiplied to give 33 and the answer is 14 and 1 quarter 1 97th 1 56th 1 over 679 1 over 776 1 over 194 1 over 388 such was the laborious and awkward solution of a simple equation the mathematics of the hindus from brahmagupta born 598 a.d to bhaskara born 1114 was made known to the english-speaking world by h t colebrook 1817 these treatises are clothed in mystic and obscure language and are very difficult of translation the story of the origin of the work by bhaskara is given by brooks the work is named for the author's daughter lilavati who it appeared was destined to pass her life unmarried and without children the father however having ascertained a lucky hour for contracting her in marriage left an hour cup on a vessel of water intending that when the cup should subside the marriage should take place it happened that the girl from a curiosity natural to children looked into the cup to see the water coming in at the hole when by chance a pearl separated from her bridal dress fell into the cup and rolling down to the hole stopped the influx of water when the operation of the cup had been thus delayed the father was in consternation and examining he found that the small pearl had stopped the flow of water and the long expected hour had passed thus disappointed the father said to the unfortunate daughter i will write a book of your name which shall remain to the latest times for a good name is a second life and the groundwork of eternal existence the following problem from the lilavati serves to show the poetic form in which they are garbed out of a heap of pure lotus flowers a third part a fifth a sixth were offered respectively to the gods siva vishnu and the sun a quarter was presented to bhavani the remaining six were given to the venerable preceptor tell me quickly the whole number of flowers out of a swarm of bees one-fifth of them settled on the blossom of the kadamba and one-third on the flower of the cylindri three times the difference of these numbers flew to the bloom of a kataja one bee which remained hovered and flew about in the air allured at the same moment by the pleasing fragrance of a jasmine and pandanus tell me charming woman the number of the bees the following examples are taken from the ganita sara sangraha previously quoted translated by m rangacharya of madras the source of this material is an article by Professor David Eugene Smith in Bibliotheca Mathematica, December 1908. One-fourth of a herd of camels was seen in the forest. Twice the square root of that herd had gone on to the mountain slopes, and three times five camels were, however, found to remain on the bank of a river what is the numerical measure of that herd of camels 
a quadratic equation, is one in which appears as the highest power of the unknown the second power. Thus the equation x squared minus 7x plus 12 equals 0 contains the second power of x and is therefore a quadratic yielding as the two values of x, 3 and 4. The question naturally arises. How can x be at the same time 3 and 4? The quadratic is the expression of a double condition. It is satisfied not by 3 and 4 at the same time, but by 3 or by 4. As is seen by substituting 3 or x, giving 3 squared minus 7 times 3 plus 12 equals 0. Or 9 minus 21 plus 12 equals 0. Again, 4. 4 squared minus 7 times 4 plus 12 equals 0. Or... 16 minus 28 plus 12 equals 0. The equation x squared minus 7x plus 12 equals 0 is true if x is 3 or if x is 4. Various devices have been used to solve the quadratic, which may be written in the general form ax squared plus bx plus c equals 0, where a, b, and c may have any values whatever except that a may not be 0. If a equals 0, the second degree term would vanish and the equation would no longer be quadratic. The simplest mode is by completing the square. If the equation to be solved is x squared plus 6x equals 16, it is seen by comparing with the expression for the square of a plus b, a squared plus 2ab plus b squared, that the left member of the equation, in order to be a perfect square, should have the term 9 added to it. Adding this to the other side, also the balance is preserved. x squared plus 6x plus 9 equals 16 plus 9 equals 25. Now, since both sides are perfect squares, the square roots may be found. The square root of x squared plus 6x plus 9 equals x plus 3. And the square root of 25 may be plus 5 or minus 5, since plus 5 times plus 5 equals 25, and minus 5 times minus 5 equals 25. This twofold condition is then expressed by writing square root of 25 equals plus or minus 5. Whereas above, it is understood that either plus 5 or minus 5 is to be taken. Equating the square roots of the two members, x plus 3 equals plus or minus 5, and breaking this up into two conditions, x plus 3 equals plus 5, x equals 2, or x plus 3 equals minus 5, x equals minus 8. Bhaskara, who solves such equations, says the second value in this case is not to be taken, for it is inadequate. People do not approve of negative roots. Such equations as the above were readily solved by the Hindus. Henkel says of them, If one understands by algebra the application of arithmetical operations to complex magnitudes of all sorts, whether rational or irrational numbers or space magnitudes, then the learned Brahmins of Hindustan are the real inventors of algebra. About 150 years after Muhammad's flight from Mecca, the study of Hindu science was taken up at Baghdad in the court of Caliph Almansas. 
In 773 A.D., there appeared at his court a Hindu astronomer with astronomical tables which were translated into Arabic. The first Arabic treatise now known is that of Muhammad ibn Musa al-Khwarizmi. The work, which was translated probably by Athelard of Bath, and which is the first work in which the word algebra, or in the Arabic, al-shabr, well, makabala, occurs, begins, quote, spoken has algorithmy. Let us give deserved praise to God, our leader and defender, unquote. The word algorithmy is the Latin form of the author's name, from which comes the word algorithm, signifying a rule for computation. The two words used as a name for algebra mean restoration and opposition, and have reference to the transposing of the terms of an equation and discarding equal terms from both members. An equation of the form y equals 2x plus 5 expresses a condition between two unknowns or variables. Such an equation is said to be indeterminate, since any number of pairs of values of x and y will satisfy it. If x equals 1, y equals 7. If x equals 0, y equals 5. If x equals minus 1, y equals 3. If x equals minus 2, y equals 1. If x equals minus 3, y equals minus 1, and so on indefinitely. This relation between x and y may be shown graphically by a method which is the foundation of the analytic geometry invented by Descartes, 1637, from which date it may safely be said modern mathematics takes its rise. The principle upon which it is based is that a point in a plane may be located if its distances are known from two intersecting lines called axes. These axes are chosen for convenience at right angles, although this is immaterial except for simplicity. End of section 7